Hello and welcome to the Slow Quest podcast where I, Bodhi, talk to creators from the, the TTRPG and fantasy art realm and um, we talk about talk about fantasy art and TTRPGs really. Um, today I have Tatiana Vogt, um, the GM witch is how I would know you. Um, you're a TTRPG player, game master, illustrator and YouTube youtuber youtube video maker is that is that fair yeah that's correct hello <laughs> um so upon like i was i was doing a bit of looking around I, i've seen a lot of your youtube videos that's sort of the main thing that i know you for like i follow you on twitter and i follow you on youtube and i've seen a lot of those videos where you i mean it's mostly reviewing ttrpg products and there's a few like gm tips and stuff like that yes um, yes but you're actually quite an established illustrator as well, like a diff- like separate to TTRPG stuff. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. I actually started YouTube as an illustrator and then uh, kind of branched out and decided to move into tabletop RPGs because uh, I love it and I wanted something a little bit different to focus on. So I, I actually have a couple of different channels where I do different things. Okay, so you didn't, you haven't moved as in like you didn't leave the other stuff behind, but you're just doing this as well now. Correct. Yeah. Admittedly, my uh, first big channel, I have uh, left it behind, but I kind of moved over to a more personal like vlogging channel instead of that, which will have art stuff. But I also have the GM Witch as my tabletop RPG channel. And that one is just separate from the personal. Yeah. Was that a a big, was that like a hard decision to to separate that out? Like, because a lot of, I know a lot of artists that really struggle to like, do I make a new account for this thing or do I just bunch it into one? Yeah, I, um, yes and no. So when I first made the GM Witch channel, I was kind of taking a break from my my main channel. Everything was going really well. And then I got really overwhelmed with the GM Witch channel. So I tried to combine them into one and realized that I didn't feel comfortable making tabletop RPG content on my main channel. So I just didn't make anything. So then I was like, you know what, I'll go back to having the GM Witch channel be separate. I won't be uploading as much as I want, at least in the beginning, but then I'll get more comfortable and start posting. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, where I'm I'm getting back in the rhythm of doing regular videos on my main channel and then trying to make time to do tabletop RPG videos for that channel. And I like having them separate so that I know when I have a tabletop RPG content, I know where to where to put it. <laughs> so it's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is nice to have that distinction. And yeah, I, it, it means that people who are there for the TTRPG stuff know they're like there for that. And the illustration people are there for that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so is the, the TTRPG stuff that you make, it's from what I've seen, it's like videos of you reviewing stuff and tips. And is there going to be illustrative stuff in that? Or is that something you also wanted to separate out? So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I was planning originally on doing, uh, like tabletop RPG, um, content that I illustrate and show on the GM Witch channel. Uh, and then there was a part of me was like, oh, maybe I should put that on my illustration channel. And now that the illustration channel has changed to more of a like personal like vlogging and book review and a little bit of art, I think it makes sense to do if art is related to, uh, different tabletop RPG games, then it's going to be on the GM Witch channel. So that should hopefully happen in the future. I am technically getting out of an art block right now. <laughs> so it might be a little bit before I get fully comfortable and start creating content again for Dungeons and Dragons or other tabletop RPGs. 
Yeah. Well, speaking of that, do you so you, do you mostly play D and D, or is it you sort of try a bunch of different things? Yeah. So I am a fan of taking inspiration from a bunch of different things, but the main uh, tabletop RPG that I play is Dungeons and Dragons. That being said, I haven't been playing too much with uh, the pandemic and everything going on, but I am currently a player in a Dungeon World game. So perhaps that statement isn't totally true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's, I've struggled a bit to like, I, I don't know. I, I moved to Europe a few years ago and I, I'd been playing in Australia, like, you know, almost weekly in real like table on a table, like in real life. But then we had to start playing digitally. And so I kind of slowly, I don't know, I, I drifted away from that game a little bit because it was just so much harder playing digitally. And I think it's yeah. just not for everyone. But then at the same time, it's now like a year through into the pandemic. And I've had to just start really knuckling down and playing online because otherwise I don't get to play. No, it's so true. So um, the Dungeon World game that I'm currently in started uh, at the table at work. It's a bunch of my coworkers, which is probably the only reason why it's still going because, you know, I'm working with my coworkers online every day anyway. So just transitioning the game to online was pretty seamless to some degree. Um, That's not 100% true, but (laughs) I think a little bit more so than it was for me and my friends with our uh, D&D game. That was a little bit harder to make happen and continue when we went digitally. So I haven't really been playing as much as I would like, considering uh, it's one of my my favorite personal things to do. So, Yeah, I mean, I I guess... Yeah, we're lucky that it is something that you can still do, like even with just voice or whatever, it's still, I'm I'm glad that it's still there as an option that we've been able to do. True, I agree. I will say, and I I guess I uh, meant to say this earlier, I tend to ramble a little bit, so sorry if I lose my train of thought, but um, I I was thinking that uh, I really want to try doing some like Roll20 or Fantasy Ground versions of any game, Pathfinder, Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeon World, although I don't think Dungeon World requires that much. Um, But I do like the idea of playing tabletop RPGs digitally and the fact that you can is really exciting. But a lot of the games that I've played have been with friends. I've been fortunate enough to find groups with people that I know in person. So I have been a little bit afraid (laughs) to go fully into a group that isn't somebody that I'm really, or with people that I'm really comfortable with to begin with. So I've kind of been hesitant but i know at some point i'm gonna do it and since we're still in the middle of the pandemic i'm i'm sure that'll happen sooner rather than later we'll see yeah it's i think when you're playing with people you don't know it is harder to catch on to cues of like when to speak and stuff and so a lot of times everyone sort of just holds off saying anything and it's these awkward silences um but yeah it can be really good too um (laughs) but playing with a playing with like a virtual tabletop is another whole different thing as well it's it feels like almost a different game to playing with just voice. It's been fun. I, I like making, I, I've been playing like uh, theater of the mind for a really long time. Like even when it, I was at the table, I wouldn't use many visual stuff, but I've been really enjoying getting into the virtual tabletops. No, I get it. It's funny. That's a little surprising because like, I'm a huge fan of the like work that you do for content for different tabletop RPGs. I'm assuming most of it is for Dungeons and Dragons. Is that correct? Or is it just kind of open? 
I, I mean, I've only recently been including more rulesy stuff just because I think people wanted it. And I think it was just safest to go with fifth edition just because it's the most popular. But I do try and keep it pretty rules light, so it should be easily adaptable. But I know what you mean. Like it, it surprises a lot of people because I, I do a lot of visual stuff, but I don't. I did, wasn't using it for a long time because I like running very sandboxy games that don't really allow for a lot of like preparation like that, and then and you end up wasting the art. <laughs> it's so true. That's actually a struggle that I have as a GM. Is I get really excited about making all of the like the maps and like like NPC cards and things that are not necessary, but because I'm an illustrator, I want to make it to make the experience really fun for my players, which are typically my little brothers. So I'm all excited to share that with them. Uh, but then. I tend to not have the time or the energy, or I know that I want it to be open enough for them to go anywhere. So it kind of holds me back when I try to make all of the content for the game. So I end up doing pretty theater of the mind stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a special skill to kind of like, like, I think like at the end of the previous session being like, where are you headed now? So I can draw it all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's true also because my players that I GM for are also pretty new to the game. So they, for the most part, want me to direct them. And I'm all like, no, I want to build it around what you want. So like we have this weird balance where if I'm all like, oh, so where do you guys think you're going to go? They're like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, that's but. great. Oh, um, so I, I have a question I usually ask right at the start. Um, when, do you, when did you last play a TTRPG game and what, what occurred? Okay, so the last game I played was on Wednesday, and that was the Dungeon World game. Uh, and <laughs> I, uh, we were kind of, after a break, we ended up playing something in between Dungeon World to kind of build out the world that we're playing in Dungeon World. Lots of worlds in that sentence. Anyway, <laughs> um, so we had just came back to playing official Dungeon World, and we're it was like two months or something after our previous episode and we're trying to establish what had happened in between. And my character uh, had gotten a letter from her mother, which prompted her to go back and visit because her aunt was really sick. And it prompted our whole entire uh, team to go and investigate. And it was kind of this like Scooby-Doo murder mystery type thing. Who done it? <laughs> And so we were just trying to solve uh, why she was sick. It seemed like foul play. And we discovered that a, I guess, a distant cousin of mine had been cut off and was trying to kill off the family so that he can get our riches. <laughs> uh, so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Does the, um, do you think the, the Dungeon World system suits like a mystery like that a bit better than like 5th edition? Uh, I would say... Probably. Um, it wasn't a full on mystery. It just kind of ended up feeling like that in the end. One of the things that I really like about Dungeon World is it's very, very collaborative, or at least the game that we're playing. And it's very like open. So like failures don't always affect you right away. Sometimes they'll come back and bite you in the butt when you least expect it. And <laughs> I think that's it's it's really fun to fail in that game and see how it affects the narrative. Um, so I think because it has this more storytelling aspect to it, it fits with a lot of different types of like themes that you want to do. So if you want to do a murder mystery, I think that's probably a good game to play. But I'm not 100 percent sure because this is the first time we did something like that. So <laughs> okay, yeah, I think I played Dungeon World once, and yeah, I remember it being a bit more. 
like the mechanics tied in with the narrative, like you're affecting the narrative a bit more as opposed to like a fifth edition, which is more like a simulation of a world almost, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to describe it. Yeah, because like, for instance, my character is a, a bard. And one of the um, skills that she has is that when she goes into a new area, she can roll. And if she rolls well, she can basically come up with a story as to how like what she knows about that area. And then the, you know, the GM will kind of build that in and kind of we modify it together to make it fit with what they have in mind towards what I have in mind. So it's like really nice to like it, the mechanics allow the players to build the story in addition to the GM, which is crazy. <laughs> but it's really yeah. fun. Yeah. That's a really interesting way to play. I mean, I've heard of people playing, I mean, even D&D a little bit that way, like the the DM really like offering space for the players to input their ideas into the creation of the world and stuff like that, which is, I've never experienced that in a game. Like, I've never played a game like that, but I think I can see the, the value of really like giving players more I don't know like a feeling like they came up with the world as well they, they can be more excited by it I guess yeah exactly and that's one of the things that I really like uh not always I don't play a lot of different tabletop RPGs but I do tend to uh get different supplements in in like actual games and research them because it's really fun taking stuff like in this case uh dungeon world elements that i really enjoy and try and see how i can fit that into a DD game that i'm running because i prefer running DD personally i haven't run a dungeon world game i've only played one uh but i the first game i ever played was dungeons and dragons and again it is the most popular and i have <laughs> i have the most like books and <laughs> like items to kind of go with Dungeons and Dragons. So that tends to be what I think to run. But it is so nice being able to modify or homebrew the way you play the game based off other elements that you like from other games, which I know isn't for everybody. I know some people really want to stick strictly to the Dungeons and Dragons mechanics and just have it be that. But I think what's really nice with the right people and the reason why I enjoy tabletop RPGs over video games is that you can modify them for your group and make them even more fun for you know your play style or the people that you're with so yeah I agree with that like it's I I think I'm the same there's sort of a sunk cost of that keeps you into fifth edition a bit it's <laughs> it's the popular thing but also I don't want to learn more rules like I already know this and I just want to get creative within that and exactly. maybe that's there's a little bit of a maybe not a great thing about that but at the end of the day I'm you know it's if that's what makes it most fun, then then that's what does. <laughs> <laughs> it is true, though. Yeah, you can really twist it and mold what you want into that, into D&D really well, I think. That's, yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm totally there with you. I, it's probably not the best thing, but once you're so used to a system, it's it's fun trying to modify it for what you want instead of trying to find something else that fits what you want. Because it's out there, and because I like looking at that stuff I can find some of it sometimes but it's a steeper learning curve for some people so it's it's a mixture of trying new things and also incorporating it with what other people are familiar with yeah and and so you mentioned like you like to like read lots of supplements and analyze and understand them and stuff is that like how was that sort of the pathway into reviewing like you just realized how much you like picking apart these products and then you thought oh, I could share this yeah, so <laughs> it's not as, uh, 
uh, detailed as that. It kind of happened where I was really interested in making my own like supplements or modules or adventures and like illustrating them and having it be all this big thing. And so I kind of just like researched into what was out there and I started finding like indie tabletop RPG games and was like, oh, these are amazing. And then because I was like looking at those for inspirations for my own game and for other things that I can do, I was all like, well, why don't I share some of this awesome stuff with other people? And uh, it started just becoming a me backing a bunch of Kickstarters and sharing it with, with my channel when when they finally roll in. In all honesty, a good chunk of them, uh, there was a large period of time where I wasn't receiving anything because you know how Kickstarters work. So uh, it's only been recently that I gotten a lot of content that I'm hoping to share on my channel soon, but I also don't want my channel to just be reviews. So I'm trying to figure out how to spread that apart a little bit. What other kind of content are you thinking? I know you do the tips. Yeah. So I like doing the tips, but since I haven't been GMing much, I haven't had any really good tips to share. So uh, I am hoping to do a segment at some point, probably in the next couple of months, where I just pick random words. It sounds like something we'll be uh, trying out ourselves, uh, but pick random words and come up with either mini adventures or encounters and just do a video where you're prepping for something like that that you can use in a game. So I thought that that would be fun but we'll see how it actually turns out <laughs> oh that sounds fun no that's great i look forward to it. i really like your reviews i was watching a bunch recently i don't know it's it's like enough detail i mean obviously because you even mentioned in it like you don't want to show everything but you want to show what it is and yeah <laughs> No, it's true because uh, I I definitely want to encourage people to get it for themselves, especially a lot of the indie content, right? Because there's a lot of amazing stuff that people are putting out there. And I try to film it in a way where they can still see it all, but not, not everything. <laughs> um, because then, you know, like what encourages them to to go out and support the creator if I just give them everything that they need. Um, so it's finding that balance of promoting people and then sharing really cool stuff that can get other people excited whether or not they buy it or not. No, I thought, I, I think the one I watched was the other day was um, the taverns and the shops. I can't remember the name of the books, but that was like really good because it was like, yeah, I think you showed... I don't know. It, it made me want to buy it. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I guess that's a good point. Yeah, I guess it did work. Yeah, it was a uh, remarkable inns and taverns, and then remarkable shops and something. So the brand is remarkable, and they have a couple of different. Yeah, those are pretty pretty cool books. I love the idea of that. I also love things and sharing things that make GMing easier or has the potential to make it easier. Admittedly, I have a lot of things, so sometimes it becomes more difficult because I want to incorporate them. So I spend so much time trying to figure out how to incorporate them. But it's nice because I enjoy that part. So it's not really a chore, but a lot of them are built in ways where it's all like, oh, your your players are somewhere you're stuck you don't know what to do so like open this book flip around get some inspiration and like in some cases you can just drop them into something that somebody already made and i love that idea no me too i think that's like i mean that's the heart of what i like to make personally is like modular things like just stuff you can just drop in little bits and like that's why i love the you know like a book of shops i mean i have a taverns one as well of just like drinks and food and stuff and it's like, i just love that like i don't know sometimes like a lot of people make the full adventures and stuff and that's really nice but when i get those i find myself just pulling little bits out to put in <laughs> anyway so it's kind of yeah 
It's so true. I actually, like, two things on that. The, the first one is I absolutely love a lot of the things that you create like that. And specifically, you have these little um, shop card packs that also have the little, like, so it's a, like, oh, a traveling wagon. And you can buy the supplies from that, you know, wagon with all of the cards. And I love how, even though I think I originally purchased this because I was like, oh, these cards are really cool. I could make something. But then you included that. And I was like, oh, this is like an encounter on its own. I can literally drop this into my game and have a backstory to why you know those cards not the cards the items are with that particular uh like person and i don't know i just think that's really really fun and then the other thing i was going to say is that it makes me think of the old school dungeons and dragons i i don't know specifically which one is like one of the like first editions i think they call it something slightly different but like it was very modular like you would actually buy modules that your players could play little adventures. And I loved that idea. So the fact that now in fifth edition, the whole things are like big campaigns make me a little sad because I'm all like, no, I want to grab different modules and like have my players be able to be like, oh, that was cool. But now I want to do something completely different and have access to. So I end up going to like drive through RPG and try and get <laughs> printouts of some of the old, old modules and also a lot of uh, indie stuff so that I can do that. I can have these little adventures that I can modify to fit within my homebrew game because I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about the, it It used to, I don't know, maybe it seems that way, but it really does seem like the, there used to be more small little bits, more like official content anyway, and now mm -hmm. they are really full campaigns, which, I mean, I guess it's just a, a marketing choice. Like it's, it's better to sell one $50 book than three little ones or something yeah like that. that's probably true and like don't get me wrong part of me likes the idea of running one of the big like i've played the big games that i played were actually fifth edition like big mo like, i think we we played uh the rise of tiamat was my like four-year campaign that i ended up participating in we got to level 15 it was amazing and that was great but like anytime i try to run something like that i'm i don't know i'm too much of a homebrew brain so, <laughs> so i always want to like modify it and i instead just take inspiration and use it i don't know i feel like it's too specific when you're doing such a big campaign and i like the idea of it being a little bit more sandboxy even if you have specific content that they go through i just like it being able to change drastically per you know every couple of games or something like that yeah i think i think we're very similar dm styles i think based on what you're saying <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what was your pathway into TTRPGs? Like when did when did you start playing and what, what was that like? Okay, so this one's fun for me. So basically when I was really young, um, you would see Dungeons and Dragons specifically in like TV shows and movies. And it was usually like that stereotype where it was all like, oh, you know, it's not the cool kids. And like me growing up, I was like, what do you mean? That's the coolest thing ever. I wish that still existed, having no clue that it did. I was just like heartbroken that Dungeons and Dragons wasn't a thing. And so years later when I was in um, college, and I feel so a little bit upset at myself as a kid being all like, you should have just done a little research because you would have been so happy. <laughs> but anyway, years later in college, um, or actually it was technically right after college, my college friends that I was hanging out with uh, just randomly was all like, so like, would you guys be interested in Dungeons and Dragons? And I was all like, yes, finally. 
Um, and it was funny because it happened like that, like friends randomly brought it up. And then within the same, you know, couple of months, my coworkers did the same thing. And they were like, oh, we're thinking of putting on a game. So I ended up in two big games right, right at the same time, one with my college friends and one with my coworkers. And the coworker game lasted four years. Uh, technically, we started with... Uh, something white plume mountain which was a really old module that was our test one and then it ended up into the precursor to the rise of tiamat and then it turned into the rise of tiamat so we ended up doing this huge long campaign and that was my first real experience was a, a game that lasted longer than most people's ever does so i'm, I'm pretty fortunate to actually complete a campaign <laughs> Well, yeah, it doesn't happen much. <laughs> it doesn't, because like I've been in so many games at the same. Like I said, the friend group one lasted for a while, and then it fell out. And then I joined a couple of other ones while I was still playing the big four-year campaign, and those also, you know, a couple of levels before those fell out. So I'm, I am pretty fortunate, I believe, to be able to complete one because <laughs> most of them don't get that far, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to see like statistics of. Because I wonder if there's a point where if you get over like five sessions, you're more likely to last a few years or something, or if it's just, you know, they just drop off every, because I feel like maybe a lot of session, a lot of things I've been a part of go like three sessions and then it's like, well, start, people start having commitments that they're more <laughs> inclined to be doing and stuff like that. No, that's true. That being said though, two of the like, maybe eight games I've been in only one of them we finished the whole campaign one of them I guess is still going so I guess three three of them have been past like eight sessions before they started dwindling one of them was just because our GM moved to New York so <laughs> it was it was just like oh life that makes sense I'm sure it would have lasted um if you had stayed in the area but um the other one was really uh, just we all drifted life happened it got busy and we never came back which was really sad it's a shame when things fizzle a bit like because it can sometimes not even be because of anything particular other than a lack of an arc with an ending like my my games i find like i was the the dm for my like years long game but there was never really like a planned arc it was yeah. just like we're just going to wander into the sandbox and stuff's going to happen but i feel like it's the same as when i play like it's a weird comparison but like I really like Minecraft <laughs> and because it, I mean, it has a simple story, but I never do the story stuff. I just build things. My, my excitement over the game fizzles in a really kind of way that isn't as good as if I played a game with a story that had an ending. Cause then I'd be like, I have finished and now I will stop playing. No, it's true. You have something to look forward to, which is actually, it's funny. The thing that I love about Breath of the Wild is that you could kind of ignore the storyline and just play it because there's so much to play. But because I ignored the storyline, I fizzled out at some point because I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't really want to complete the storyline. So I guess we're just not going to play anymore, which makes me so sad. But it's true. When you have when you have a campaign that has an ending, like an end goal that you can see in sight, like you're more likely to be like, okay, well, we're getting close to that. So even though I'm busy, I'm going to try and make this the next couple of games because there's only, you know, so many more left that we have. And you don't, if you've invested, you know, three and a half years already in a game, like you want to see it through. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sad to have a character go into that unfinished limbo and you're like, but... I mean, they could have at least died. That would have been more satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a bunch of characters. Because 
admittedly most of the games that I've played that didn't get anywhere were only like three sessions. Like what I think we had one where it was like one session and we were like, nope, this isn't going to work. And then a couple of them where we were like, let's try. And we got to three. Uh, but like you have these characters that you spend all of these time, all of this time setting up and then <laughs> it makes three sessions and you're like, but it was such a good idea. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. You're, your illustration work you do, I noticed a lot of it is quite fantasy itself. Is that something that it's just like because fantasy is cool? Like, or is that connected to D&D? Like, did you play D&D first? So the, I, I suppose I have a couple of different styles that I end up doing. Um, definitely for the like GM witch things that I kind of share is a little bit more on the fantasy side. And I think that's just because my personal experience with, um, with a lot of tabletop RPGs that I've played have been in that, you know, typical fantasy world. Uh, but outside of that, I tend to do more kind of like modern fashion-y <laughs> Type stuff. I'm a, a big fan of, of drawing like female characters and things like that. So uh, a lot of the stuff that I do tends to just do with poses and clothes and things like that. Um, but in the world of tabletop RPGs, I my brain just goes to really traditional fantasy, which is interesting because I also like I'm drawn towards things that are like more out of the box when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop RPGs. Like I love things that don't fit that normal fantasy realm. And yet when I go, oh, let me draw a fantasy thing or not a fantasy, let me draw Dungeons and Dragons things. It's always fantasy. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I am trying to experiment more because uh, I do like the idea of things not fitting what people expect them to. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was I was referring to your regular illustration stuff because I do I mean yeah after you saying that like it's very like fashion and like I, I it is very fantasy though to me it gives really fantasy vibes like really? even even though yeah I, I mean it's like quite modern fantasy <laughs> but it's very like whimsical like really yeah yeah I guess that's the thing I do in general even with modern stuff I do like adding a little bit of whimsy into the stuff that I create um yeah, I really like like that. I wasn't sure. It's fine. <laughs> you were referring I, I, to that. Sorry. I just didn't mean. To, I felt bad. I didn't want to like be like trying to define your work too much or anything. I was just. It was just how I felt about it. Um, no, it's nice to hear that. I will say I am um, experimenting more with my style, trying to figure out what I enjoy because I struggled a lot. I don't. This is a little off topic, but like I originally started off with a brand called Love Teacup Kisses, and um, I built my original YouTube channel off of that, and then I rebranded it to Tatiana Volk Art because I built such a specific brand that I felt like I couldn't draw anything else, and so now I'm trying to like find my new thing but still have it be open enough that I can experiment and try other stuff. Um, so. I'm not 100% sure what my style is at the moment, but it is true that regardless of me trying to figure that out, I do still tend to draw very similar things. So it's interesting hearing what other people think of it. So in this case, that, that you get the kind of whimsy and fantastical ideas out of it. Yeah, maybe magical is a better word than fantasy. Like, as fantasy implies certain genre things, but I think, like, magical is more of a feeling. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad. You and I didn't that. mean to say it's all the same. It's, it's actually, it is very different. Like going through lots of your work. Do you mind talking more about your illustration work? Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Is that something you studied to do illustration? Like, is it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I guess, it, I guess it's not super clear. Um, but yeah, I, I've loved art my whole entire life. I went to the Academy of Art University in San Francisco to study illustration. I originally went in there wanting to do uh, 2D animation. And uh, I took a class and the instructor was all like, 2D is dying. It's all about 3D. And I was all like, okay, let's do something else then. <laughs> so I just went into just regular illustration. And um, I ended up getting a job as a production artist at a mobile gaming company. So I still work at the same company. That's where I started my first big Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, but now I am a content or not a content producer. I'm a I'm a producer, like a senior producer. So I just manage the schedule of all of the artists. So I don't actually do art at my nine to five anymore, but I do it outside of it all the time. So, <laughs> so art and illustration is like a big part of my life, even though I've been uh, dealing with artist block. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's better though I, I always felt like when I was doing design and illustration as a full-time job that wasn't my own like making my own stuff it was a lot took a lot more energy to try and do it at home afterwards because you've been doing it all day even though it's yes. not the stuff you like but yeah <laughs> no it's so true that's exactly why I kind of shifted gears um also like I I'm really into like organization and like planning in things so like it kind of just fit really well but one of the biggest reasons was because i was struggling so much with because at that time um with my love teacup kisses channel i was putting out a speed paint video usually traditional art every week in addition to like obviously having to edit hours and hours of footage and do the drawings every week i also had my nine to five which it ended up being a lot more than nine to five, especially in the beginning, because, you know, your first job people pleaser. So it'd be like <laughs> eight to eight <laughs> and I'd have to somehow do my personal art after spending, you know, 12, 10, 12 hours in a day, just like drawing. Um, obviously it matters to take care of yourself and not work 12 hours a day. So I learned to be more mindful and keep that within more of an eight to nine hour period. But at the beginning, oh, that was hard. So as soon as I kind of shifted gears into doing something more like organizational or managerial, I was I felt free to work on my own stuff after work, uh, which was such a good feeling. <laughs> oh, that's great, yeah. <laughs> And you do mostly digital stuff now or is it a, still a, a mix? I, I'm having a hard time with it. So I, I do mostly digital, but I love traditional. It's just so much work to kind of like set up and, and have the like, I don't have a lot of space in my, my little work area because it's technically just my bedroom. So like I have to hunt down all of the traditional supplies and move all of my other stuff out of the way so that I can make a, a workspace. So I tend to go towards digital, but I'm also struggling because I want to find a way to make my digital work look traditional because I love traditional. Not only do I love doing traditional, but I love the way traditional works. It's just digital is so much more convenient. So yeah, <laughs> finding really that is. balance, uh, hopefully. <laughs> what digital tools are you using? Um, so... It's, it's funny because part of me is embarrassed, but also like really proud of this. So 
almost all of my digital stuff is on my iPad via Procreate. (laughs) Why is that so embarrassing? Like, that's like, I feel like that's one of the more common digital art ways. Like so many professionals are doing that. It is true that at this point that it's, it's a lot more common and more accepted, but like, I've been doing it for a while and and people go like, that's it. Like you don't use Photoshop anymore. And I'm like, nope. Um, but yeah, I originally started using Photoshop because um, actually, no, I did that when I was younger as well. I was interested in Photoshop. And then when I started working as a production artist, that's the tool of the trade. A lot of the, uh, all of our artists still use Photoshop. So uh, it just made sense. But as soon as I got an iPad, I was all like, procreate all the way. <laughs> uh, if if I didn't have to lay things out, like, because I do a lot of, a lot of my stuff's like designing like pages for like to include text and stuff. So it's a bit more layout as well. If I didn't have to do that as well, I probably would use Procreate, but I really like, I use Clip Studio, which is basically like Photoshop for illustration. Yeah, I wanted to do that because I have that problem when anytime I try to do something a little bit more graphic, it doesn't work in Procreate. Like Procreate is not good for that at all. Um, But I don't use Clip Studio enough (laughs) to like, to really um, justify the cost. Yeah, and it's a bit like I when I do use Procreate when I do little animations and stuff. Like sometimes I'll just open it up to do some drawing, and um, I love the interface. Like it's mm-hmm. made for a tablet, yes. whereas Procreate is basically just a Windows program ported over to iPad, and it's like just all the buttons are teeny tiny, and like <laughs> you can mess it around, but it's still it's not made for a tablet. <laughs> in the same way um so it is a bit yeah a bit painful to use but it takes a bit of getting used to that being said it's really nice if you want to go from ipad to computer and computer to yeah. ipad because it has like a syncing thing because i use my pc a lot i actually got a, a a huey on tablet for my pc after using i was using the ipad pro for like three years when we moved from australia because i didn't have a computer to use all the time um, and it's amazing that now you can do that and have like a professional illustration like career using an iPad. It's amazing. Yeah, it really, really is. I will say um, like part of me, I was looking into Clip Studio personally for a while, but because because um, I wasn't super familiar with it and because I didn't have the full need for it, I was like using the trial and I just like didn't learn enough. <laughs> during that time because I would always just default back to Procreate because it's just so easy to use on the iPad. Um, But I do, I do love the idea of anything that works seamlessly across devices. So that it makes so much, makes sense, makes sense. It is a huge plus for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you ever want to learn about it and want some tips or to ask questions, I I know, I know Clip Studio fairly well now. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, that's awesome. might take you up on that (laughs) it's amazing though also like just the customization ability of like the brushes and stuff i have a friend who he does like done he's a cut like a dungeon DD map maker and he's just got clip studio working so well for him to the point where he can like he just has it's not even like at first you think oh that seems really cheap it's just like generated but he, he just has such great control and has such perfect brushes that he can just put together beautiful organic looking maps with this series of brushes it's so good it's amazing it's happy <laughs> no yeah i see that's one of those things that makes me really um 
really frustrated with uh with a lot of the work that I do digitally because like I'm sitting up here just like struggling <laughs> and then you'll see these amazing usually it's concept artists but I'm not surprised that map uh map artists as well can do some of this stuff as well but like you'll see like concept artists do their like little like concept thumbnails and they like take out these brushes and obviously it's a lot of skill because they know what brushes to use and how to use them because I have access to the same brushes and I cannot do, do the same thing for sure but it's so nice seeing uh what you can do digitally and like what corners you can cut to make your uh to make the ex or the process faster but like even with that it doesn't actually like you have to have the skill to know what how to use your tools so yeah I mean I reckon a big part of like concept artist, like school, whatever, wherever they study <laughs> would be that it would be like high, high results, low effort kind of thing. Yeah. Like just because that's what being a concept artist is about, I guess, is pumping out these images to represent what the brief is. Hmm. All right. Should we make a thing or, or attempt to make a thing? All right. Let's, let's make ready? a thing. <laughs> All right. So I cycle through person, place, and thing, and we're up to person for, for, for this one. So I'm going to roll some prompts with some dice off a list. We have decorate as the first prompt, and the second is worm. That's, that's a bit, it's not as, not as easy as I'd hoped, but it's interesting. Okay, decorate and worm for a person. So it could be like a, I like to think of these as like, like what we were talking about before, like modular content, like I'm going to write this into a little like mini article. And so it may be like a character, an NPC that the you, a DM could throw into their game to like have their players stumble upon. Okay, that makes sense. I will say, <clears throat> um, I will say that hearing worm <laughs> makes me think in, in terms of a like person or an NPC, like obviously not an actual worm, but it makes me think of like a Naga character, you know, where it's all like snake slash person. Mm. Um, <laughs> in my head, it was just a worm with a hat. <laughs> I love that. I love, it's just like you, you come a, across a little like worm with a hat who's just all like, oh, yes. Good evening. <laughs> Sorry, no, 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 we go with your idea. I think yours is more, more fitting. No, I, I, that's, that's great. I mean, they could have a little worm companion. They could be like a Naga with a little worm on their shoulder. So I I feel like Naga is quite, there's a few different representations. What what are you imagining? Is it like a like a humanoid snake person? Like a, with yeah. arms, but like a snake, no legs? Like more yeah. of a snake? Yeah. Exactly. So kind of like centaur, but instead of a horse, it's a snake uh, okay. for the lower half. Um, and and they, do they have a snake face as well? It's more like the, like a, how is it? Like a minotaur where it's like a bull's head, bull's legs. But I just, I always imagine it was like a buff, a really muscly, muscly dude. <laughs> um, so like my first thought was having it be, you know, kind of, regular person but i do with with um like snake features but i how far you push the snake features for the head i think that's like up to you i'm excited to see <laughs> um because it could be you know like eyes and you know kind of like that 
Voldemort nose looking thing. Um, or it could be like, you've got Cobra, uh, the Cobra shape. <laughs> With, um, either way, I think that that's pretty cool. All right. And then how does, how does decorate fit in? Is that like the, are they a decorator or are they decorated? Yeah. See, that's the, like my brain keeps going to profession. <laughs> Uh, but I do like the idea of like, even if that is their profession somehow, uh, of seeing them reflect that in how like decorated that they are, like that they definitely have, I'm imagining like a ton of bangles on their like wrists and like maybe too many necklaces, like, <laughs> um, but, or like lots of, I don't know, why am I not thinking like feathery accessories, just like a lot of, um, like random little details that they have, like maybe like beads and bangles um, and then like feathers. And then what, what would the profession be if it, I mean, other than visually like being quite decorated, what does it make you think of? Yeah, that's a good, good question. What would be a good, cause I like the idea of it being like a fantasy world. So like a fantasy equivalent to somebody who decorates. Um. <laughs> mm. Like a decorator of houses? I mean, like they could be, oh, but then that does, I was going to say they could be like a builder, but that, I don't necessarily know if that fits as well, like a carpenter or something. Mm. Um, I can't imagine carpenters wearing lots of bangles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> neither could I. Um, I feel like they would like manage the car carpenter, but that doesn't necessarily fit either. Uh, I mean, like, I guess... Mm, but I want something like a little bit more interesting because I was like, I guess it could be like the uh, decorator to like like a castle type area or something like that, you know, like a noble noble person's decorator. Like that would fit, but I think it would be more fun if we could come up with something. Um... Well, what about like you said, sort of managing the carpenter? Maybe this person is like like an overseer, like the director, like like they almost own they manage a bunch of other sort of sub decorators almost i, I guess know. yeah i think that's that could be a pretty cool i also imagine them being um oh this might be a little bit hard for you but i imagine them being a little bit kind of like bossy and flamboyant where they're kind of just all like yes and then you do oh it makes me think of um i don't know why i'm saying references like i'm somebody who knows like pop culture but um the what is that movie with the llama <laughs> Oh, like the um, uh, the groove back? Is it? Oh, yeah. What is it? Um, something new, new groove. The yeah, the, the king's new groove or something. Wow. Something like People that. People are going to be so ashamed of this. <laughs> it was so... like the Disney film that I didn't watch. That, that you didn't watch either. Yeah, I'm apparently no. I'm just really bad with references like that. But the um the bat or the villain in that movie is. I'm kind of thinking she's. It's not necessarily like it that it's a girl, but in the movie, the villain is a, a woman and she's kind of got that like bossy, but sort of like, <laughs> like I don't know. Um, <laughs> like quite self-important, like I like, do you know who I am kind of thing? Yes. Yes. That I think is fitting. Almost like a celebrity decorator, like who doesn't actually do anything themselves. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> She just tells everybody else what to do, or he, he or she tells everybody else what to do. And then what could be, let's think of maybe like a, an encounter that you, like a good example of how 
your players could come into into this character. Okay. I mean, it could be as simple as just discovering them. Like, I mean, you could walk into like a house and then this. I, I can't even think of that. I'm saying like some sort of like creative director or something is like managing this like a mansion or something that the players have been sent to talk to a quest giver of some kind. I like that. It could be like they're going to, you know, speak to somebody and like perhaps the um, the estate is being prepared for some sort of big event, which could also lead into part of their uh, adventure, right? Like perhaps they have to talk to them and then they're kind of forced to go into uh, the event to find information or at least requested being like oh you have to do this thing and while they're there they encounter the decorator who's like prepping and there's like just a lot of commotion going on where like they're like oh you put this over here and you've got like people carrying things and bringing things around as they're trying to like find the person they need to talk to oh I like that yeah like a like a benefit or something yeah, I'm yeah exactly. like, <laughs> like some some big event that like uh, obviously uh, the GM would make it fit to whatever is happening in their campaign but like it could be you know a festival I guess if if they needed it to be but I was kind of thinking more along the lines of like something in somebody's really big house either to showcase something or celebrate something like a benefit or yeah. something like that or I like you know it depends I, yeah like you said it depends on the town or the place that they are but it could be like you're going to see the king and it's like some sort of important holiday yeah um, exactly yeah okay i like this oh i don't know if we dare try and come up with a name for it <laughs> oh i'm the worst at names <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness no <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll think of something i'll, I'll um I'll, I'll add it to the to the article when this all goes up nice nice surprise for both of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm excited to uh see how it turns out <laughs> Okay, thank you. I think that was really fun. I think this is a, a cool a cool NPC that I, I would like to use. <laughs> I'm glad. I was definitely pretty nervous about it, but I think that was really fun. So thank you. It's always fun to draw this stuff as well. Um, okay, so Tatiana, how can people find you online? Okay, um, so uh, they can go to my website, tatianavolkt.com or tatianavolktart.com. They're the same thing. Um, that kind of links to most of the places I am in the world. Uh, there should be, or I guess on the internet, there should be a link to the GM, which I hope. <laughs> if there isn't, I will add one soon. Uh, but if not, you can also search the GM, which on YouTube or Twitter, all one word. So the gm which no spaces and i should pop up via that awesome well yeah I, I really recommend people go especially go check out youtube channel i really enjoyed watching your videos thank you and thanks for coming on and and answering my awkward questions and making a, a funny npc with me yeah thanks so much for having me this was a lot of fun i feel like i probably could have uh, rambled on for a lot longer than <laughs> Than I no, did, it's great. So. I, I love, I love, I love a good rambling. <laughs> All right, um, I'll see you later. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Slow Quest podcast. You can find the article that we just made on the Slow Quest Patreon at patreon.com forward slash slowquest. Uh, you can find all my stuff and my links at slowquest.com. Thank you for listening.